the majority of the previous parak went through a list of 18 averas for which one would be punished by skila, the death penalty of stoning being thrown off a building by Bastin and then being stoned. And the Mishnahis went into the details of those different averas. And the last one on the list for which one is punished by skila was a ben soyer umayre, which refers to a boy of the age of 13 years old who rebels against his parents and behaves in a very inappropriate way. And most of this parak goes through the details and laws of Ibn Surya And we'll see that there are many, many conditions and specific details which need to be fulfilled in order to kill him. So much so that the Gomorra cites one opinion that says that there was never actually a Ibn Surya there was nobody who actually ever fulfilled all of these conditions. And the Gemara explains that Hashem wrote this in the Torah in order for us to learn it and receive reward for, for learning it, even though it would never actually apply practically. And most of the conditions which we'll list are not written explicitly in the Torah, but as part of the tradition going back to Moshe Rabbeinu from Arsinai, all of the conditions which need to be fulfilled in order to give him this status of a ben so it begins the Perak Ben Surya From when can he become a Ben Surya It can only be from once he develops two hairs around his male organ. That's a sign of maturity. And this is referring really to once he becomes Bar Mitzvah. The Aj Yakif Zokon. Which literally means until a beard surrounds the male organ. And the Mishnah explains that we're talking about hatachtain, the lower beard, and not the upper beard, meaning not the beard on one's face, but rather the beard around one's male organ, meaning the area which has more hairs, but the Chachom spoke in a clean, pure language and didn't want to speak about this area explicitly, and so they referred to it as a beard. So during this period where he is maturing and becoming an adult, that is when he can be a Ben And the Gemara explains that even if he doesn't end up developing lots of hairs around that area, the latest time that he can become Ben is up to three months after his Bar Mitzvah, after he becomes 13 years old. Now, how do we know he has to be of this age? And Emma, as the Pazuk says, when there will be for a person a son. If a person has a son who misbehaves, we see from there that he needs to be firstly Bain Velibas. All of this only applies to a son, not to a daughter. And in addition, the Torah refers to him as a Bain, a son Ish, and not a man, implying somebody who is a full adult much older. We're referring to somebody on the border who is becoming an adult. Now, we're going to see later on in this parak that the death penalty of Ben Surya is very different to the death penalty given to other people who are killed by Bastin. But Ben Surya has never hasn't really done anything all that severe which should warrant such a severe death penalty. He needs to steal, drink wine, eat meat. He misbehaves in a very big way, but he doesn't do any particular massive act which should warrant a death penalty. But the Mishnah says that the reason why he is punished with a death penalty is that he is judged because of what he might do later on. Somebody who's behaving like this at that age, we're concerned, the Torah is concerned, that he'll end up being a massive criminal, etc. So the Torah decided to punish him and kill him early in order to save him from living such a life. Biazme, if that's the case, I could have thought that even a cotton, a child who is under the age of bar mitzvah, 
and not yet liable to all of the Torah's mitzvahs and punishments, I could have thought that he should be killed even if he's a katan. Because anyway, we're not really killing him as a punishment, but much more that the Torah wants to prevent him becoming a major criminal when he is older. And so because of that, the mission needs to tell us that no, a katan potter, a child under the age of bar mitzvah, is indeed exempt, because he has not yet come to be liable in mitzvahs, and this is not an exception. The Gemara also learns this from a posuk. Mishnah Beitz, from when is Eben Surmer Chayev? And now the Mishnah lists a long series of conditions and things that Eben Surmer needs to do in order to be killed. He becomes Eben Surmer once he eats a Tartemar, which is half a mone, which is a particular weight of meat. That's a very large amount of meat. And drinks half a loig of Italian wine. Meaning it has to be very good quality wine. Because part of the idea of Ben Surah like we explained, is that we're concerned that he'll continue doing what he's doing now. So it needs to be very good quality wine, so that there is reason to assume that he's going to continue this behavior. Rabbi Yossi says, Mone needs to eat at least a mone, double the amount of meat, and drink at least a full loig of wine. Now the Mishnah lists a few cases where even if he drinks that amount of wine and eats that amount of meat, he'll still be exempt because we, can, we, we don't assume that he's going to continue this practice. mitzvah, if he ate it in a group of people, in a meal for the sake of a mitzvah, for example, at the meal of a brismilah, if he ate it at the meal, which was commemorating the fact that a month had been declared to be a month of 30 days, in times of the Mishnah, Rosh was fixed by Beistin, by witnesses coming to say that they saw the Rosh moon. It wasn't a fixed calendar. And every month is either 29 or 30 days. And in order to publicize it when the month was 30 days, so the Beistin would organize a meal where they would eat together and this would help to publicize the fact that the month was made 30 days. So if he eats it as part of that meal, since it has something to do with a mitzvah, we already assume that that is a reason why he might not continue this practice. If he's eating Maishashini in Yerushalayim, that's a tenth of one's produce which he needs to separate, and often they would redeem that produce onto money, bring the money up to Yerushalayim, and then spend the money on other things there in Yerushalayim. So if he spent the Maishashini money on meat and wine, and he ate it in Yerushalayim, since that is also a eating which includes a mitzvah, he would not become Ben Sura Mugra via that eating and drinking. And now the Mishnah gives cases of Averis. If he ate meat of a novella, which refers to an animal which died without a proper shechita, or if he ate a trefa, an animal which had an internal wound, which makes it forbidden to eat kotzim or mosim, small creeping animals. If you ate anything which was a mitzvah to eat, even if it's only a mitzvah with jabonon, for example, the meal which is given to a mourner once one of his relatives dies, since there's also some connection to a mitzvah over there, again, we're not concerned that his behavior will continue. Or if he ate something which is forbidden to eat, even if it's only with jabonon forbidden to eat, for example, on a, t- on a fast, on a fast day, which is only Mijabonon, if he eats it then, he would also be exempt. Even if he ate any food, but he didn't eat meat, or he drank any drink, but he didn't drink wine, in all of these cases, he would not become Ben Sarah And the reason why, if 
he is eating something which is Navira to eat, then he wouldn't become Mitzorah Merez. Then from Pesukim, we'll see later on that the, his parents take him to Beistin and say that He is not listening to our voice, to our commands. That implies that he's not listening to us, but he is listening to Hashem. But if he's doing something which is an Avera also towards Hashem, then that would also take him out of the category of a Ben Sorer or Meirah. And the Mishnah adds that he, the reason why he becomes Ben Sorer or Meirah specifically by eating meat and drinking wine is because the Torah calls him Zaylel Vesave. What does Zaylel Vesave mean? The Mishnah understands that Zaylel refers to somebody who eats meat in a very greedy, gluttonous way. And Sove refers to somebody who drinks wine excessively. So he does not become Ben and as he eats meat, according to the amount that we discussed at the beginning of this Mishnah, and he drinks wine, as the Posuk says, even though the following Posuk is not a proof that the word refers to meat and wine, respectively, nevertheless, it does definitely support the fact that refers to meat and wine, as the Posuk says, don't be among those who drink wine in an excessive, gluttonous way. Or among those who eat meat in a very greedy, gluttonous way. So the Posuk is not a proof that we can't refer to eating and drinking other things with this expression of Zodl But at least we see from there that eating meat and drinking wine does come under this category of Zodl And we therefore understand that Zodl refers only to eating meat and drinking wine. Mr. Gimel, another condition of the Ben Sora is that the wine and meat which he eats needs to have been stolen from his parents. Not only that... It needs to be stolen from his parents, or from his father at least, and not that the meat and wine itself is stolen from him. He needs to steal money from his father, buy meat and wine with that money, and then eat it. Not only that, he needs to steal the money from his father in his father's domain, because that's where the father's money is, and again, we need to suspect that his behavior will continue. He'll continue doing the same, these same acts. So he needs to steal money from a place where there's more money there to take later on. As well as that, he needs to eat the meat and and wine outside of his father's domain. If he does it inside of his father's domain, inside his father's house, for example, then once again we're concerned that his behavior won't continue because he might be afraid of his father. And because of that, the Mishnah says, if he steals the money from his father's domain, his father's house, and he also eats the meat and drinks the wine in his father's domain, or if he steals the money from elsewhere, if it's in somebody else's house, even if it's his father's money, and he eats the meat and drinks the wine in somebody else's domain, or if he steals the money from somebody else's domain, and he eats it in the property of his father, he would not become unless he steals the money from his father's property and eats the meat and drinks the wine in somebody else's property. So then he's taking the money from a source which will continue to be there in the future, and he's eating it somewhere where he is not afraid of his parents. So his behavior is assumed to continue later on, and therefore he would become Ben Yehuda adds that it's not enough that he steal the money from his father, but he needs to steal money from both his father and his mother. Now, in general, a married woman doesn't own anything. Anything that she owns automatically belongs to her husband. 
But there are particular cases where she can own something if somebody gives her a gift on condition that her husband cannot use it. And the Mishnah must be referring to a case like that in order that it would be considered her money. Alternatively, if it was money which was set aside for both the father and mother's use. But yeah, this is a condition which is, once again, unlikely to be fulfilled. And no wonder the Gemara says that there was never actually a case of a Mensuri Romeira. If his father wanted to take him to base then for him to be killed, but his mother didn't want to, or his father didn't want to, but his mother did want to take him, he would not become unless both of them want to, and both of them take him to base then. Again, another condition which will be very far off to be fulfilled, that his parents will both want to kill him, but once again, this, this is learned from Psukim, this condition, that says that they'll bring him to Bastin, his father and his mother will take hold of him. Now, Rabbi Yehuda adds on the condition now, which is probably the most far-fetched and most unlikely condition to be fulfilled, and that is, if his mother was not similar to his father, he would not become a Mansur and the Gemara explains that they need to have a similar voice because the Pesach says, The parents tell Basin he is not listening to our voice. It's talking about both of their voices in one. So it implies that they have a similar sounding voice. And as well as that, they need to look similar and be of similar height, according to Rabbi Yehuda. So it could be there's been one person in a million. You could find a pair of a man and a woman who fulfill this criteria, but it's extremely unlikely to happen. But like the Gemara said, the parasha of Pinsara was said in order for us to learn it and receive reward for learning it, even if it won't apply practically speaking. If one of his parents had a missing hand, or was lame, they couldn't walk properly, or they were dumb, they couldn't speak, or blind, or deaf. Even though in general, in the Mishnah refers to somebody who is both deaf and dumb. In this case, it refers to somebody who is only deaf, even somebody who is only deaf. Then this son would not become Ben Surah as the Pesach says, And his father and his mother will take hold of him. That excludes... If the father or mother has got a missing hand, so they're not able to grab hold of him, they'll bring him out. That excludes people who are lame. They can barely walk themselves, let alone take somebody else out. And they will say, that excludes dumb people. Our son, this one, the fact that they're saying this one implies that it's in front of them, they can see it, they can see him, they're pointing to him. Whenever the word zeh comes up in Tanakh, it usually refers to something which you can point to. So that excludes Lysuin, blind people. And they tell Bastin in Enu Shemiah he's not listening to our voice. And that excludes Lysherishin, that it would exclude if they are deaf and they can't hear anyway. Alright, continues the mission, Masabibishnesh the parents need to warn him to stop his misbehavior in front of three people. The truth is the Gemara fixes this to say that he needs to warn them in front of two people. So the parents need to warn him in front of two witnesses. And if he doesn't listen to them, then three people who make up a base then 
would hear testimony from these two witnesses, and give this person lashes. This is learned from Psukim. And if after he was given these Malkas, he went back and continued behaving inappropriately, and he ate the meat and drank the wine in all the conditions which we discussed, then they would take him to a Beistin, Nidun Be'esim He is judged by a Beistin of 23 judges, a Sanhedrin Ketana, which is necessary in order to give somebody a death penalty. And the Mishnah adds, that in Iskol, he is not going to be stoned, he's not going to receive the death penalty, unless within that basin of 23 judges, included in that, of the three people who are part of the first basin, who gave him lashes. Shanemar, as the Pasuk says, our son, this one, which implies that they're referring to a particular son who they've been discussing beforehand, this son who received lashes in front of you. Right, now the Mishnah ends off. Borach, if the son managed to escape, he ran away before his verdict was given. And after that, before they managed to find him again, he reached a full stage of maturity, developed more hairs, such that if he were to do those Averas of a Bensori Romeira now, then it would already be too late for him to come to become a Bensori Romeira. So the Mishnah says, even though he did all of this beforehand, nevertheless, his verdict cannot be given unless at that time he's fitting to become a Bensori Romeira. So Potter will be exempt. However, if he runs away after his verdict has already been given and then he reached the stage of maturity where he's no longer able to become Ben in this case Chayev is still liable it's irrelevant that he's can no longer become Ben he already became one and received a verdict to be killed once one has received a verdict to be killed by based in that's it he would still be liable to that death penalty